Praise the Lord. So then where are we? We're still in chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And um, we, in Revelation chapter 14, what do we remember generally about Revelation 14? Anybody remembers anything generally? Well, because of time. The first thing we need to remember is that Revelation 14 is part of the, is the closing part of the third interlude. Amen? Is that correct? Is the closing part. And uh, there, what we are going to see is brief visions that we are shown to John. Um, if we we'll quick, do a quick uh, review, we, we, we remember that the third interlude, that's the break from what John has been seeing. The, the third break starts from chapter 12. Chapter 12 dealt with spiritual warfare between the woman, which is the church, amen, and uh, the, the dragon, that's Satan himself. That's in chapter 12, remember? And the woman was a song-clothed woman, and the dragon came out against her, and the dragon and his angels fought against Michael and Michael's angels. Praise the Lord. And at the time, the woman, which is the church, ran into the wilderness, God enabled her to go into the wilderness for preservation. Praise God. And the man child, when that woman was about to give birth to her man, man child, which is the Christ, the dragon wanted to swallow up the man child. But the woman was caught up by God and sent to the wilderness where she was preserved for a time, times, and a half time. Three and a half years of the the revelation. That's chapter 12. Chapter 13 was the Antichrist and the false prophet. Is that correct? Persecuting God's people. So chapter 13, we can say, was the last part of the tribulation period. Is that correct? All right. And so we, we can really say that tribulation has started from the seven trumpets through chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13. So the major thing in Revelation chapter 13 is the, the beast, which is the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Is that correct? Persecuting the church. Giving marks and, name, and numbers to those who worship the beast. The beast will, will force people to worship him in Revelation 13. Is that correct? Huh? So, but many of God's people will refuse to worship him. And some of them will be killed, but some of them will come out alive. Amen? Then after that, we go to chapter 14, where God's people who prevailed came and met with the Lamb, that's Jesus, on Mount Zion. Is that correct? And their number was 144,000. Praise God. And after that, then John was given some visions, short brief visions. Am I right? About several things, uh, certain angels coming and doing certain things. So, but the particular part of chapter 14 we are going to deal with now is the vision of the harvests that will come. And the har these harvests that will come are judgments of the good and evil people. That's the visions we want to look at now. Amen? The visions of harvest. Is that correct? So he says, verse what? 13. 
Is that what we should read? Verse 13? All right, let's look at verse 13. I thought we read 13. We read it? Okay, so we should go. Okay, huh? Where are we? Follow him. Verse 20? Oh, 13. That's where we're supposed to start. Oh, okay. So let, let's read the passage, the verse. Who's read, read, brother? Go ahead. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right. Blessed are the dead who died in the Lord from now on. Mm. Yes, says the Spirit, mm. so that they may rest from their laborers, for their deeds follow with them. Okay. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, and for their, dead, for their deeds follow with them. You, you, you know... We hear that expression sometimes in funerals. Is that correct? Amen. That, and that's where they got it. And um, so, and the angel, a voice from heaven, said to John, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their heart labors. For their deeds follow with them. These are people that died in the persecution that the Antichrist persecuted them. Amen? So, let's read the, the commentary. Following up the call upon the saints for following the exercise... Following the upon the call upon okay. the saints for the exercise of preservation or perseverance, in, perseverance or endurance mm. in view of their present and even imminent greater persecution and martyrdom Another voice from heaven proclaims divine blessing on these saints upon their death. These Stop were right there. So the, the verse in verse twelve, we the angels, the voice commended spoke about the perseverance of the saints. What what in what were the saints persevere? In what did they persevere? What do we understand by the perseverance of the saints? We dealt with that last week with the beast and the false prophet. In the persecution that the beast and the false prophet persecuted them, they persevered. Are we following? That's Christianity. Amen? They persevered. Today, we cannot even persevere when things like weather or other problems come upon us. We can't persevere. We fall out from following the Lord. We get uh, shaky. Praise the Lord. Amen? But here, the sense we are commended for persevering. Then we, that takes us to the next verse. So after that perseverance of the sense or patience of the sense, amen? Um, and what, if I read that part, say, and the, point, the, the part before verse 13, the point here is that seeing the eternal doom that awaits the beast and his cohorts, as revealed in the preceding verse, the sense of God and of his son, Jesus, Jesus, the true Christ, or the Messiah from God, are enjoined to go through their present experience of persecution and trial with perseverance or endurance and steadfastness of faith and hope. That means 
when because in the, their faith has shown them that the Antichrist will be judged eventually, they are encouraged. Say, go through whatever you're going through, knowing that the Antichrist will be judged. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, it, something like that was said about Jesus. As I'm thinking about that, there was something that was said about Jesus. Amen. He said, actually, why don't we turn to Hebrews chapter 12? I believe it's Hebrews chapter 12. 1 to 2. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Yes, read, please. Wherefore, see we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the mm-hmm. sin which dwells so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finishers of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise the Lord. You notice that Jesus himself went through that kind of steadfastness. Is that true? Huh? Did you see that Jesus went through that? Uh, and uh, when, when he was uh, go, going through trial, remember what he said at the garden? He saw the, the, the suffering that waited for him. And the Bible said he fixed his eyes. If, um, he endured and prevailed. Amen? And today he's exalted at the right hand of God. And we are asked to Follow that example. This, this encouragement is for us here to endure with perseverance whatever we are going through here. Amen? Uh, but the place we are reading this evening is talking about the saints that will be in the future time. But one thing I want us to see here is that it doesn't matter the age, it doesn't matter the time that we are on earth. We will have, it's a principle, we have to follow the same pattern. Jesus went, in fact, in the Old Testament, some saints went through it. Amen? During the time of Jesus, Jesus went through it. His apostles went through it. And we are being told to follow the same pattern of enduring, of being steadfast, no matter what comes against us. Praise the Lord. And then at the end of the age, these saints will go through it also. Amen? Amen. So we come back here to continue on that passage. These words. These words of blessing pronounced here on these saints on account of their persecution in the hand of the beast apparently fulfilled the promise that had been given to the martyred saints of Revelation 6.11. There they had inquired, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on these who dwell on the earth? 
and they were told to rest for a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been would be completely also. So uh, in, in Revelation uh, 13, 14, 13, we see that the, the voice that was speaking to John said, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Is that correct? From now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. So here we are saying that it seems to be the answer that God has for those saints in Revelation 6.11. If you remember in Revelation 6.11, right? There were some saints that had been killed, and John saw their souls on the altar, under the altar in heaven. Is that correct? And those saints were asking God, how long? before you will avenge our blood. And they were told, rest until the number of your fellow saints who will be martyred will be completed. So here seems to be the answer. Uh, do you see the blessing that God is pronouncing on those people who went those experiences? When they ask that question, it seems as if they were disappointed. It seems as if they, were, they had waited for God. It's as if God did not avenge, did not retaliate for them. They felt that they were serving God and they were killed. Yet God has not done something to those who killed them. Are, are you following? But God is going to do something about those. But in the meantime, he's blessing them for the way they died. Do we understand? Huh? Okay, continue. The expression, yes, says the Spirit. Here in verse 13 is indicative of the fact of the divine confirmation by the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of the Lord of this beatitude of bless or blessings for those who died in the Lord. Okay, so that's a blessing for those who die in the Lord. Do we believe that? And the Holy Spirit affirms it. When, when God says something and says, yes, yes, there is an English word for the Hebrew, yeah. That usually occurs with what? Amen. And whenever you hear it in the Bible, it's a divine confirmation. That means it must surely come to pass. Praise the Lord. Are, we, are, you, are you following? So God is vowing that those who die in Christ will be blessed with a special blessing. Let us see what it means to die in the Lord. Yes, Mike. The rest that you're, I mean, the blessing you're talking about is rest. Is what? Rest. Rest. Yeah, rest. Oh. So we, we, we are going to see what that means. Amen? Praise the Lord. You know, have you heard about people who were killed for the, because of their faith? Huh? Or because of their service to God? Huh? They could have rejected, refused to die, or refused to die. But sometimes they are given an offer. It's either you stop or you die. Choose one. Some of them say, I would rather do please God and die serving him. That's a part of what it means to die in the Lord. Is that, is that clear? And God will never fail to bless them. Death is not the end. We need to understand that. Amen? Okay, go ahead. To die in the Lord is, most important, is a most important blessing for Christians. True blessedness does not only consist in living in the Lord, but also dying in the Lord. 
to rest from their laborers, as spoken of these persecuted saints, is a reference to their eternal fellowship with God. This begins with their experience of the break from the pressures, trials, weariness, affliction, and torture from tribulation. In the hands of the beast on earth through physical death, culminating in eternal freedom in the presence of God in heaven. So, what is saying here? To rest in the Lord, which was her question, right? When people die in the Lord, their rest has begun. Praise God. Their rest has begun, which means they are freed from the physical pressures. Is that correct? Uh, what are some of the examples of the physical pressure? Uh, trials, weariness, is that correct? Affliction, torture from tribulation in the hands of the beast. That means for those in the future, right? Through physical death. That's what physical death will, how they can rest in the Lord through physical death. But after they, after they die that way, now they start a new life of what? Eternal fellowship. And rest there means Sabbath. It's a rest of blessing. Praise the Lord. Uh, it is a consummation of whatever blessing we have here. Whatever blessing we have here is just a little bit of what blessings await for us in the presence of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And many times it's through death that we get there. But that doesn't mean we should go and seek death. Because it is the Lord who sets time for when we die and come over. Amen? Praise God. Go ahead. We must bear in mind that this is not a flight in cowardness or fear. Cowardice. Cowardice Mm -hmm. or fear and defeat from the presence of the beast on earth. Instead, by their perseverance in faith and belief in the true God and his Christ, even in the face of their death, by martyrdom, theirs is the exercise and experience of true victory and triumph. So what the, the, the point we are making here is that many of those believers who were killed by the beast, are you following? The, unbelie- the unredeemed mind may look at it and say, I thought you have a God. How come he didn't save you? So unbelievers may see it as defeat. Praise God. But in the eyes of God and those who know God, that is victory and triumph. Do, do we understand what I'm saying here? Huh? So part of our lives and as Christians is to have our understanding about success and prosperity and, um, and um, victory and triumph change. We need to understand it in a better way. To be honest with you, every one of us in this room and the uh, Every believer wants to live a long life. It is a blessing from God. Are you hearing me? But there are times, there are people who died as martyrs in the Bible, you which you know. Was that defeat? No. It wasn't defeat. Because we, we, this, some of these things may shake our faith today. To be honest with you, they happen all the time. And if you're a believer, your faith may be shaken. God, where was God when this happened? Where were, are you following what I'm saying? Huh? So it, it, it doesn't, their death in the hands of the Antichrist is not defeat 
for them or defeat for God. It was not cowardice. Are you following? It's a matter of fact, in God's estimation and in the understanding of many of God's people, that's a way of exercise and experience of victory and triumph. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. You remember when they were stoning Stephen? You guys remember when they were stoning Stephen, right? Amen. Remember he saw the Lord waiting for him. In, do you believe that the Lord could have stopped the stoning? But did he stop it? No. He rather beckoned him and said, come over. How about the Lord himself? God, couldn't God have stopped him from crucifixion and death? But you see, he died. And what did God do? How did he get his triumph? Resurrection. Praise the Lord. Amen. So continue. Their spiritual demeanor here is a reminder Wait, of... Where are we? We must bear in mind. Oh, no. We passed that, right? Okay. Their spiritual demeanor. Go ahead. Their spiritual demeanor here is a reminder of those of such saints of old who survived physical death under similar condition. These include such as Daniel, the four Hebrew boys, and Esther. Notable those who lost their physical Notable among those. Notable amongst those who lost their physical lives for holding on to their faith in the face of the threat of death is Stephen. Stop right there. If you look at all these sins that are mentioned, some did not die. But if you check their attitude, they were dead. Is that true? Okay, look at it and we, because we, we, we need to share. Look at those people mentioned there and tell me, even though the only person there that died was Stephen, right? But do you know that the other people were, they, they died in a sense. God reckoned them as dead. Tell me about them. What, take one each. If you can. Amen? Because the attitude is important. Hallelujah. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. So they didn't see death as anything. Praise the Lord. They did not see death as important. It didn't matter to them whether they died or live. Is that correct? Amen? Hallelujah. Um. That's exactly. He gave us the general, the general uh, 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 attitude, demeanor of these people. Now, I want, now he's giving us the clue. How did those individuals, one by one, one person, take one? Um, well, Stephen, I'll say Stephen. He was dead to himself. Like, he was crucified with Christ. Yeah, he, he, so, he eventually died. No, I mean spiritually. Oh, spiritually. Like... You know, when we come to Christ, we have to die mm -hmm. to live. To so, self. Yes. So they were dead to self, and that's why they were dead. But Very important point she's making. If you cannot die to self, you cannot die this kind of death. You, do, do you agree with me? Huh? If you cannot die to self, you can't die to self. Let me give you an example. If you cannot take offenses from your brethren. You are too alive to die, die this kind of death. Because it's easier, it's much easier, is that not correct? That somebody says something about you, somebody stepped on your toe in church, and you can't handle that. Praise the Lord. How can you handle 
a situation whereby uh, whatever they do to you in church, you're still breathing. Is that true? You're still breathing. The church, occasionally people have killed people physically in church. Or otherwise, it's not common. Is that true? Amen. But they will come at you, at your flesh. And if your flesh cannot tolerate that, your flesh cannot tolerate physical death in the hands of people whom you did nothing to, just because you're worshiping God. So Stephen is an example. If Stephen did not die on a day-to-day basis of fellowship with his brethren, you know that it's interesting, before Stephen's death, what was Stephen doing primarily in the church? Eh? What was he doing primarily in the church? Anybody? I can't hear you. Pick, pick up pick up the mic. What was Stephen doing? What was Stephen known for? Serving food to who? To widows. Now, if you had this kind of anointing and you end up serving food, your ego will be busted. Praise God. Go and read Stephen. He had tremendous anointing. But he started ministry serving food to widows. Do you want to tell me that no widow throughout the course of that ministry offended him? Oh, come on. You know, food, if you want to get people's offenses quickly, go and serve food. <laughs> Even today. You want to tell him that no woman there insulted him? No child. He was able to handle it. Thank you for that point. You know, I, check some of the problems we have in church, brethren. Are you hearing me? Some of the problems you have in church that are causing too much problem. When you call the people involved and say, what is the problem? Pastor, I, I, I know you know what I'm talking about. There is nothing. There is nothing. Check some of the things why people leave churches. There is no problem. Now, you want to tell me if you cannot handle that, you can face the power of the enemy outside when they say they will kill you for what? Because you're serving God. Give, let somebody comment on another thing there. Let's see how the person died. Come on, somebody. Pick up somebody. <laughs> Daniel. You remember the case of Daniel? How do we know that Daniel had died even though he was still breathing? Yeah. He did not compromise. Was he shown the danger, the consequences for not for not compromising. What was the consequences? Was he warned? You are going to sleep with the lions. Oh, come on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And what did he do? Did he compromise after they told him that? He knew that the lions, at least for him, human thinking, will eat him up. But he said, still, I will not bow to that image. So they took him there. You see, if you don't die, the Lord cannot resurrect you. Resurrection and spiritual life is for those who are dead. Are we all following what we're saying here? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So Daniel saw himself as a dead man. <laughs> That's why the Lord now came. Who else? Come on, who else? The four Hebrew boys. How do we know that they died? Thank you. But before they, 
before they went into the furnace, what did they say? What was their attitude? Told the king, don't bother yourself. <laughs> we know the God we serve. Thank you. If I thought today, they will not respond. Don't be. Very good. And even if he does not intervene, we will still not worship that. Do you see death there? Okay, what's the, the last person there? Okay, come on, tell us about Esther. If I perish, I perish. That's death. So I don't know if you see the pattern. Praise God. That's what is happening there. So they are demeaning. What these people in the future will face? Believers in the past have faced it. Believers today are facing it. Praise the Lord. And that is going to be a test for some of the people whom you cannot step on. On whose toes you cannot step on. Yeah, Donna? Go ahead. Teachers here try to. Mm hmm. So, my question is that we hear the word Thursdays after Thursday, mm. Sunday after Friday. Sunday. Right? You don't, don't miss Friday. <laughs> Friday is excluded. Friday. <laughs> right, Sunday after Sunday, mm -hmm. and yet we're still debating whether. I want to serve God or whether mm -hmm. I want to be in the house. Like you say, people with attitude, mm -hmm. if you step on their toe, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not coming to church mm -hmm. again. Or, you know, and then they say, oh, well, I can fellowship in my house and don't know that being a part of knowing who Christ is, you have to fellowship with other people. And they determine whether, oh, time plays a role. You know, just the, the yeah. petty things that we come up with for not being in the house of the Lord, but then yet we say we're serving God. Mm -hmm. If we're serving God, there shouldn't be no compromise mm -hmm. or no... You have to be content in what you're doing. Because that's the nature of the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen? Huh? It's like the parable of the tares and the wheat. That's where we are. Are you, are you, are you all following? What you're describing didn't start today. Even the sons of Israel. It has to change, but thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and that's the problem. No, no, you're right. You are you are right. You are absolutely right. But you know what I'm saying? No, you're right. My answer to you is that this has been a pattern for all ages. Even Jesus, they told Jesus. Jesus used the parable. The wheat and the tares. There are many other parables. What, what do wheat represent? The real stuff. Where do tares represent? So God allows these two people, two streams of people to exist. Then in that midst, there are people, I tell you the truth, there are people who are getting this. But the problem is that there are only fewer. There are fewer than the larger group. Am I right? That's what the problem is. And, and your question is very important. That's, these are the questions we, keep, we should be asking ourselves every time. But you know what? We will never get the full answer. But all we have to do now is the self to apply it to them, us to apply it to ourselves. 
Hallelujah. I, I, and I know that no one among us is perfect, but you know what? There are levels of maturity that people reach, others are still behind. What we're looking at here is maturity. So I thank God for that question. Praise the Lord. And in the day and age where we are now, people have various definitions of Christianity. We have to understand that. Their definition is hardly about taking care of self, dealing with self. That's a, much of the things that brought people to Christ today is what they will get from Christ. Are, are you following? In, in the ages past, in the generations past, people came to Christ to receive forgiveness of sins, to have their lives change. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. That's why people came to Christ. But now people are coming to Christ be, huh? for what they will get. So changing, change of life and living is not important. That's why this is happening much more now than ever before. Praise God. Yes, please. It's so sad that those of us that call ourselves Christian, we don't reason this. Meanwhile, there are some unbelievers who, knowing that they are expected to change, will not come in. Will, you know, and they are not ready to change, will not come into you know, Christianity. And they tell you, when I come, I'm expected to stop smoking, and I don't want to give up smoking. Or oh, I'm expected to stop uh, bearing grudge. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> so they are aware, and yet believers who call on the name of the Lord are not even conscious of this. Is that true? There are unbelievers today who are not with us because they will tell you they are not ready. And I'm not applauding them for that because they can never be ready. But at least they have a sense that the God you and I are serving deserves and demands a change of life. Praise God. Go ahead, sir. Jesus even made a statement. Mm. Said, the hidden, they will come and enter into the kingdom. Why the sons of Abraham will be cast out. The kingdom is meant for the cast out. Matthew 8. I, I, I used to say without apology, there are uh, unbelievers outside that are yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking for criminal today. Though God said He knew where to go from the very foundation. Uh, there are there are unbelievers you can transact business. They give you good report. There are people in the house of God today. If you are looking for criminal, they are more more in God out there. Praise the Lord. Don't go too far. See this building. The first contractor we got was what a Christian, a music, Christian musician that's well known. Man of God, this man couldn't do a dime. And a gal just with money. Praise the Lord. Guess who, who finished this? A Muslim. <laughs> a Muslim. We're still owing him. We pay him money a little bit by bit now. He had to, he went ahead with, we said, please, we run out of money. Just do it. We'll be paying you back. Say no problem. Do you understand what we're talking about? But the believer gave us nightmare. 
couldn't do anything, was gouging us with money, used our credit card without telling us, all sorts of things. That's the way it is. Praise God. Amen. All right, go ahead, Nona. Such attributes of perseverance of, or endurance expressed in the forms of abiding courage, boldness, loyalty, and faithfulness toward God and his Christ. Among these saints in both testaments are reckoned, with God, reckoned by God as good deeds. Did you understand? Good deeds here that God is talking about is what summed up in what? Courage. Is that correct? Boldness, is that correct? Loyalty and faithful, faithfulness toward God. Praise God. They are not religious works. We are not, the good deeds, they are not religious works. They are attitudes of faithfulness, of courage, of boldness, of what? Loyalty. That word loyalty is important. Are you, are you all following what I'm saying here? Amen. Okay, go ahead. Like those of Abel, such deeds will continue to speak or echo on earth in history and time. Amen. The Bible says, even though Abel is dead, but he yet speaks. Amen. God reckons with that. Even when the saints die, he reckons with their loyalty and everything. So he still, he never forgets their name on earth and in time. Amen. All right, go ahead. Vision of the eschatological, eschatological, eschatological harvest. Yeah, have, have you noticed <laughs> I refuse to change that word because you will come across them anytime, if they're here or outside. When that's what does that word mean? End time, simple. And um, if I avoid it here, I'm not doing you a favor because you can go in somewhere else. They talk about it. Say, oh, pastor never mentioned this word. And you cannot study the book of Revelation without coming across words like that. Amen? So I, I'm deliberate with it. Amen? All right, go ahead now. So, so the visions we are about to see now, the remaining visions are about judgment. Amen? The judgments are not taking place yet there, but it's just visions of them. Are you following? Proleptic, right? Okay, go ahead. In the following closing seven verses of Revelation 14, John is given a series of short vision of the reaping of the harvest of the end of the age by the Messiah and his angels. The reapers, these harvests are twofold. And his angels, the reapers. They, in, this, in that passage, the angels are called reapers. Amen? And these harvests are twofold. So, Re Revelation 14 has 14... Uh, seven verses now left. And those seven verses, the vision that will be shown John are visions of the end of the judgments of the righteous and on the, on the unrighteous at the end of the age. Praise God. Is that clear? Can we look at them now? Huh? All right, let's go. The reaping or the harvest of the grain or wheat. Did this, you see that first one? Let, let's digest it first. What's the first one? The reaping or the harvest of what? Of the grain or what? Wheat. Mm -hmm. This means the bringing in or repentant humanity. Or the, the bringing in of. The bringing in of repentant humanity 
or the saints of God into eschatological salvation and its blessings, culminating ultimately in the eternal fellowship with God, the Lamb, and his angels in heaven. Stop right there. So, the grain or wheat there, who does it represent? Repentant humanity. Amen. Did you, do you, you understand that, right? So, their harvest, what does it represent? Their harvest, what does it represent? What does their, they're bringing them in. They bring, God now is bring, will bring them wherever they are. At the end of the age, at the end of the age, these are the, the, the grain or wheat represent repentant humanity. Amen? Their harvest or the reaping of them is not a judgment unto fire. It's the judgment there or the harvest there is bringing them, gathering them unto God. Amen? First on earth when the Messiah returns and then after that to eternal fellowship in heaven. I want us to understand that. Amen? Now, there's historical judgment here. Amen? This is first historical judgment. Praise to the Lord. Let's look at what Jesus said about that judgment. Let's, um, yeah, let's go to Matthew 3. Matthew 3. Amen? Read that passage in Matthew 3, 11 to 12. Matthew three eleven to 12. Mm-hmm. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. John is speaking. John the but, Baptist. But he who is coming mm-hmm. after me is mightier than I. Mm-hmm. And I am not fit to remove his sandals. Mm-hmm. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. His widowing fork is in his hand. Mm-hmm. And he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. Uh-huh. And he will gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Did you notice that? Did you see that, right? He, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's eschatological blessing, which has started already. That's bringing of God's people into the salvation of God. You notice that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a seal. It's a seal that comes upon those who are saved. That signifies that they are now in the salvation of God. Are you all following what I'm saying here? Huh? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what John was speaking about there, is a seal of the salvation that Jesus has come to bring. Remember I taught you that the seal of the new covenant is what? The Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the putting of that seal on the believers, those who are saved. Praise God. Now, Jesus came first to put a seal on those who, have, who are baptized. Amen? And at the end of the age, he will use his fork. Praise God. Okay, if you look at the first line, to baptize, when you come, you baptize with what? The Holy Spirit. And what's the other one? Fire. Fire. Now, you see the wheat and the chaff there. A lot of people think that the fire there is the fire of the Holy Ghost. No. 
The fire there is judgment of the unbelievers. Jesus will baptize with the what? Holy Ghost and we what? Fire. Praise the Lord. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a blessing upon those who have received Jesus. Praise God. Amen? And then, those who reject Jesus, he will put in fire. That was what confused John the Baptist. John the Baptist thought that when Jesus came, when as he is blessing people with the Holy Spirit, he's also sending the others to hell immediately. Are you all following? Uh-huh. Are you all following? Because that's what he said there. But when Jesus came, Jesus baptized those who received him with the Holy Spirit. But he didn't do anything to those who rejected him. In fact, instead, sometimes he went to the house to eat. So John said, what is he doing? I thought he's the one that has come to bring this thing to an end. Are you all following? I thought he came to bless people and to judge people. But all he has been doing is to bless people. I don't know if you understand that. Because he said when he comes, he will baptize with what? The Holy Spirit and with fire. But John did not understand the timing. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit at the beginning. He gives people opportunity to receive him so that they can receive the Holy Spirit. After 2,000 years, many have not received. But a time is coming when he will bring the fire to judge those who are not, who are not going to be baptized. Amen? Are you following? Then another thing he said there, he will take his winnowing fork to do what? To thresh the floor. And in the process, he will separate the what? The wheat from what? The chaff. Who is the wheat there? The believers. The chaff are those people you were talking about earlier. Did you understand me now? Praise the Lord. That's the chaff. Where will this wheat and chaff be found? On earth, even in church. Wheat and chaff. Is that answering our question? So, so the, the reaping of the harvest of the grain, there we see it. Jesus spoke about it. Is that correct? Now, let, let, let's go to Revelation 14 and see it happen. Revelation 14, 14 to 16. Revelation 14, 14 to 16. Revelation 14, 14 to 16. Uh Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, Mm -hmm. having a golden crown on his head Mm. and a sharp sickle in his hand. Mm. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him, who sat on the cloud, Mm. put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come. Mm. Because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. Did you you notice that? Now, this is the reaping of the chaff in Revelation 14. Are you confused about this? So what is talking about here, it says the reaping of the earth, right? Read that passage again. Then I looked, mm-hmm. and behold, a white cloud, mm-hmm. and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, mm-hmm. having a golden crown on his head, mm-hmm. and a sharp sickle in his hand. That's Jesus, ready for the harvest now. And another angel came out of the temple, crying mm-hmm. out with a loud voice to him, mm-hmm. who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle, and reap, for the hour to reap has come, mm-hmm. because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Okay. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle 
over the earth, uh -huh. and the earth was reaped. Okay. Now, let's go to the next one. The reaping of the harvest of the grapes. Amen? The what? The reaping of the harvest of the what? Grapes. That's another thing. Read the, the, the commentary. This is the bringing of unrepentant and rebellious humanity into the winepress of God's wrath mm -hmm. for condemnation and judgment, culminating in eternal banishment to hellfire mm -hmm. in the company of Satan and his spiritual forces. Okay. Now, this second one, notice the, what's the fruit there? Grapes. Uh, the reaping of grapes in the Bible usually speaks about unrepentant humanity. Are you, are you following? Because it, the grape will be put on the wine press and pressed. That's how they get grape wine and wine and juice. Amen? So here, there is the reaping. This is the bringing in of unrepentant and what? Rebellious humanity into the wine press of God's wrath for condemnation and judgment culminating in eternal banishment to hellfire in the company of Satan and his spiritual forces. Amen? So we, we, we read Re Revelation uh, 7, uh, 14, 17 to 20, right? We've not read it yet. So we have read M M Matthew 3, 11 to 12, right? This is the chaff. That's the chaff. Remember he talked about his winnowing fork is in his hand, right? That he might separate the what? The wheat from the chaff. So the chaff is unbelievers or those who are in church but have not fully repented. Now the time for them to be brought together so that they will go through the wrath of God was approaching. Are you following? All right, let's read from the Bible now. Revelation 14, 17 to 20. And another angel came out of the temple, mm. which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Mm -hmm. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, mm -hmm. came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, mm -hmm. saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, mm -hmm. because her grapes are ripe. Mm. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth mm. and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Mm. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress upon the horses' bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Okay, we'll look at that. Did you see the judgment of the wicked there? Huh? It's, it's a picture. And it will start here on earth at the end of the age. Amen? Uh, we will look at the picture that he painted, but... Let's go over. So we, we, we see these two reapings, right? Continue the outline. Evidently, these two end times harvests are the ultimate outworking of the various harvests Jesus had hinted at in the gospel. Hinted, at in, hinted the gospel. at in the gospel. Amen. Praise the Lord. These are, go ahead. These are the wheat and the chaff harvests, the wheat and the tares. Wait, wait a minute. Did we read the wheat and the chaff harvest, right? All right. We, 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 we saw that repentant humanity was referred to as what? Wheat. Huh? And the unrepentant humanity was referred to as what? Chaff. Wheat is what is needed, what is fruitful 
You can eat wheat. You know, when people are eating food that has nothing in them, what do you say they are eating? Chaff. Is that true? So God has wheat and he has chaff before him. What do you think he wants to spend eternity with? Wheat or chaff? Wheat. And we saw what we described already what chaff looks like. Chaff has not died to self. Is that correct? Okay. So you see, when we ask those questions, they are very important. They will always bring us back to a reality that not everybody who is in church is ready. And it will be a waste of time. And, and the opportunity God has given us here every day is that we might die to self. To get rid of the chaff in us. Every one of us has chaff. You believe that? Every one of us has chaff. And God is allowing circumstances to help us take away the chaff. But many of us hog our chaff. Praise God. Amen. All right. So did Jesus speak about wheat and chaff? We read that already, right? What are the next two? Uh, now, each, this is co- um, a contrast in between repentant humanity and what? Unrepentant humanity. You, you need that line? Okay. Go get one. Amen. And then find out from her where we are. No, don't worry. No, 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 I will penalize you. Amen. So find out where we are. Amen. Are, are, we, are we all following? Let, let's look at an, another, uh, an, another set of terms that Jesus used to differentiate repentant humanity from unrepentant humanity or believers from unbelievers. Is that correct? Now, uh, please don't see this chaff only as those who are in the world who don't come to church. There is chaff in the house of God. You believe that? Huh? Oh, no, you don't believe it. You are not. I say you believe that? Okay, thank you, Nona. <laughs> All right, what's the, an, 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 the other set? The wheat and, and the, the tares. tares. The tares. Tar- tares. The wheat and the tares, right? These yep. are, let's, let's read it a little bit. Matthew 12. Quickly. Let, let's go very quickly. Matthew 12. Oh, Matthew 13, 24 to 30. Quickly. Matthew 13, 24 to 30. Mm-hmm. Jesus presented another parable to them, mm-hmm. saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Mm-hmm. But while his men were sleeping, his, any ca- his enemy came and sowed tares among the tares. wheat, tares, tares around, among the wheat mm-hmm. and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and b- bore a grain, then the tares became evident also. Mm-hmm. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Mm. How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Did you see that? You see the two streams of humanity? 
What are the two streams? Come on, come on. Huh? Believers and unbelievers. They are called wheat and tares. Is that correct? Okay. It's the same thing he said before about wheat and chaff. Is that correct? Now, notice the interesting thing there. Amen. He said the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. You see, he's not even talking about the world. Did you notice that? Huh? He's not concerned about these tears being in the world because that's where they belong. He's concerned about them being where? In church. The kingdom of God is like. He didn't say the world is like. Yes. Mike. Okay, uh, then uh, does it mean that it is uh, still uh, Christians, not people in the world? That's what we are saying. They are in the world, but they are also in church. It's not everybody that's in church is born again or loyal to Christ. That's chaff. <laughs> Do you notice that they were existing in the same farm of the man? And this man is a type of Christ, Jesus. It's not in his neighbor's uh, farm. It's not as if the wheat are in Jesus' farm and the tares in I No, in the same. That's why his servants say, say we, we thought you planted what? Listen to that. We thought you planted what? Wheat. But how come we are seeing chaff? Huh? Or tares? He said the wicked one has done that. Praise God. It's okay if he's a wicked man that don't did this and it was not the right thing. Let's go and pluck them. He said, no. Watch. He said, no, don't do that. Let me tell you, as long as we're on earth, nobody will fix everything in church. Nobody can. Because the Holy Spirit, that, there will always be something you will see in church. The Holy Spirit said, no, don't bother with it. Why? Sometimes in pursuing those things, you will hurt the good people. Have you noticed that? There are things, as a pastor, he knows, there are things you see. You know what to do. Bam. But many people are not, with their senses, good people. Some of them don't even ask questions. Some of them are sentimental. <laughs> are, are you following? So you have to make sure they understand what is happening. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You say, otherwise, in trying to remove this, you may also uproot the wheat. Watch what happens. He said, wait until when? The harvest. What is he referring to? Revelation 14. Wait until the what? The harvest. When what will happen? The reapers. That's who the people, these angels that, that are being shown to John. We are going to see, read in Revelation and see this. Jesus said in Matthew, Wait until at the end of the age. That's where we are now in Revelation 14. When the reapers, the angels who are trained with discernment to deal with them at that time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, so you're talking about the, the wheat, mm-hmm. the tie, and the chaff. chaff. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, pastor, I have no power to drive anybody from the church. 
praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And in church, we have mismultitude. That's the word. And I think Apostle Paul dealt with the issue of the church. Mm. He said we should be careful of those that cause division in the church. He didn't say outside. That means the church comprises of different kind of human People. beings. Mm -hmm. There are even one of us that we should the company we keep, even in the mm -hmm. same household. A lot of people come with different mission. What you are looking for is not what others someone That's right. And when you talk about enemy during hour of sleep, your individual self, mm -hmm. praise the Lord. So today there are some people they can be hot. Any little, any little trouble, you discover cancer will come from outside. Mm. Some it is from your thoughts. Mm. And those thoughts are not biblical. So when they are especially when one is passing through, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to make decisions that is contrary. That's right. Amen. So you we ourselves we are like a house, we are like a tree, we are like however like a, we have got far. So you start from yourself for before you refer to Person. Amen. Like today, Jesus baptized us. Mm. I only want to drop that message. Uh, today, you can see people praying, they, they can speak, they are tongue talker. <laughs> but their life is nothing to write home about. about. So I don't believe such such a tongue. Because if Jesus baptized us with fire, mm -hmm. those sharp must have to go away. When you baptize in the Holy Spirit, humility is not there. That Holy Spirit is questioning. Praise so, God. So again, and, and, and that brings us to the fact that there, there needs to be a, a, a balance between fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you remember that, right? Amen. And that's the point he was trying to, he was making there. So the next category is the righteous and the wicked. Is that correct? Huh? Let's read Revelation, um, Matthew 13, 47 to 51 quickly. I want us to see what will happen at the end of the age. Jesus gave these uh, teachings in parable forms when he was on earth because they will happen at the end of the age. Amen? You notice that? The righteous and the wicked. It's the same, the same groups of people, yes? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet mm -hmm. cast into the sea and gathering fish of every kind. Mm. And when it was filled, they threw it up on the beach, mm. and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers. Mm. But the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the age. Mm. The angel will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous, okay. and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and garnish of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And Jesus said to them, therefore every scribe you has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Okay, did you understand that here? Remember he said, he would take the wicked from among who? From among who? The righteous. There is always going to be an intermingling. There is always going to be what? An intermingling. Let me tell you what happened last night. How many of you remember what I taught here last night 
about how occult practitioners and people with wrong doctrines are infiltrating the church. Is that correct? You heard me teach that last night, right? How many pastors don't even know who is ministering in their churches. Many Christians don't know who is laying hands on them. Remember, we talked about the new age yesterday. And then when we got home last night, I said, let me check my Facebook pages. I flipped through. And then there was this minister who said to me, who said on Facebook, Johnny McLaughlin has a message. Listen to him. And the minister in Bethel, we used to be in Bethel. It's okay, let me see what Johnny McLaughlin is saying. And then I tapped on Johnny McLaughlin. Is, that program, I'm sure, is going on right as we speak. Was inviting people, the broken, the depressed. You, you saw it? You saw it? Oh, okay. The depressed, the rejected, or oh, come. We are organizing this program. God is going to move in us all kinds of, you know how the advertise program. Uh, and the main speaker is Eyala Bazan. You, you understand that, right? You don't? Okay. No, no, you do. You started trouble. You started trouble. Eh? He does it with that woman? Okay. All right. Watch what happened. Who is Ian Levesant? Ian Levesant, hear the name. He gives it out. She's not Nigerian. She's African-American. But she worships the Yoruba gods. I told you people the other day, I go to Christian bookstores, I see her books. Because, you see, God's people are very ignorant. Even our pastors don't even know what's happening in this society. 98% of pastors can't tell an occult practitioner from an anointed child of God. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Everybody is becoming pastor. Have you noticed that? Everybody is becoming prophet and prophetess ministers. These are people who have not sat down for Bible study in their churches. And they are being ordained left, right, and center. Huh? <laughs> Every time you turn around, somebody is ordained. And this person knows nothing. Now, Donnie McClock is supposed to be a frontline minister, a music icon, he has a light church. Now, think about it. This woman who worships demon spirits is going to come and lay hands up on Christians. Do you understand what we are talking about? So there's always going to be an intermingling. And they walk. In fact, God wants some of us to start now doing it. To separate the wicked from out among the righteous. One of the ways we can do it is to get the truth out. People don't preach about things like this before again. Now, when somebody starts preaching it, everybody starts preaching it. In the 80s and 90s, there's so much talk about that. But people have moved on. What's important now is, hey, you know, God is doing this. God is going to bless you. Give me, bring money, bring that, and so on and so forth. That's where we are. But last night, I thought that when we got home, I showed my wife. And my wife couldn't believe it. Are we, are we all following? So that's going to be, that's the kingdom, of, how the kingdom of God is like. Everybody 
is with microphone shouting from podium, you think that everything is all right. You, you remember the scriptures we read? Huh? Test all spirit. Last night. But people are not paying attention to the as long as somebody is talking, anything that sounds religious, motivational speakers, and all that. You want to tell me there are no deliverance ministers in the church in New York or in the U.S. that you, this man can get to say, come and bless my people. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you know why? Because this lady has a platform with Oprah Winfrey. So the, the issue in this society is that if you can make it, if, if, if the moment you make it out there with the media, nobody asks you a question again. Is that correct? All right. So that's the problem we are dealing with. Let's, the next one is the same thing, sheep and good nations. So let, let's go to verse 14 quickly. No, no, read verse 14. Then I looked, and mm-hmm. behold, a white cloud, mm-hmm. and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, mm-hmm. having a golden crown on his head mm-hmm. and a sharp sickle in his hand. No, notice again, an, another short vision, right? Okay, continue, read. And so here in the Revelation, while still in the third interlude, asked his gaze on the sky and was confronted with a dramatic experience, a vision of a white cloud, son of man. Okay. So this is the next vision John is seeing. Amen? You go ahead. And this expression, one like a son of man, is one that is severally used in the Bible. Here, here are some of these places in Scripture where it previously been used. Although some interpreters should apply characterization to angels, yet it, yet it is a key, messianic title, and therefore refers to no other person but Jesus of Nazareth, the true Messiah or Christ. So that's... The person John is seeing there is Christ. Amen? Go ahead. It is particularly used of him with reference to his future eschatological return, ministry, or role on earth. The fact that he sat on the cloud is further evidence that the person in question is the Messiah or Christ and also speaks of his return to earth for his God-ordained eschatological ministry. Along this line of thought, and according to certain accounts in the New Testament, not only was Jesus covered with white cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration and received by a cloud out of the sight of his disciples at his ascension. Also in the New Testament, his return to earth as the Messiah is typically (laughs) spoken of as an event that would be associated with the clouds. So all we are saying here is that the person he sees in verse 14 is Jesus in his eschatological appearance. Because sometimes people want to say that the Son of Man is an angel or so. No. Son of Man is one of the titles of Jesus. It's one of what they call messianic titles of Jesus. Whenever you see the expression Son of Man in the Bible, it's talking about Jesus, especially in his future eschatological appearance and ministry. Amen? Turn quickly to Mark 14. Turn quickly to Mark 14, 60 to 64. 
So the, the person is used in Revelation 14 is who? Jesus. Amen? All right. Are you in Mark 14, 60 to 64? Yes. Okay, go ahead. The high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus. This is at the trial of Jesus. Amen? The high priest, Caiaphas, came forward to question him. Go ahead. Saying, do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? Mm -hmm. But he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man. Did you notice that? I am the who? The, the Christ. That's, what's the Hebrew name for that? What's the Hebrew name for the word Christ? Christ, the word Christ is Greek. Uh, is is um, Christos, Greek. But it's Christ, which is English for the, the Greek, Christos. Is that correct? But what's the Hebrew for it? Oh, come on. What's the Hebrew for Christ? Huh? Messiah. Messiah. Messiah and Christ are the same thing. Christ is the English way of saying Messiah. The Greek way is Christos. The English way is Christ. The Hebrew way is what? Messiah. They are the same. Are you following? So if you look at the, the discussion, the conversation between Jesus and the and, and remember, Jesus is his personal name. Are you following? Christ or Messiah is his title. He is the only one who qualifies to bear that title. Praise the Lord. All right, mo, li, listen to what the high priest asked him. Li, li, let's pay attention to that again. Read. And Jesus said, I am. No, he said, are you? Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? Did you notice that? Huh? Are you the Christ? Is that correct? And what did he say? And Jesus said, I am. Okay. And you shall see the Son of Man ah. sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Okay. Tearing his clothes, the high priest said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blaspheme. How does it seem to you? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. Amen. Stop so, right there. So they say, are you the Christ? Say, I am. And you will see the Son of Man. Meaning the Son of Man is the Christ. And that's Jesus. So another title for the Christ or Messiah is Son of Man. So when, whenever you see that, you know that's talking about Jesus. It doesn't, that title, Son of Man, doesn't, it's not just that Jesus is a human being. It means much more than that. Are you following? Uh, ben Adam is a messianic title. It's one of the titles in which he will come back. Amen? Praise God. All right, moving on. Other keys of elements of other the... Other key elements. Other key elements of the Messiah's portrait, as shown to John here, are his golden crown, which signifies his divine triumph, the whiteness of his apparel, which is emblematic of his divine purity, and the sharp sickle in his hand, which is an implement for reaping and harvesting, and is therefore symbolic of the impotent harvest of the grain that will attain his return. The grain, as here spoken of, spoken of is a reference of repentant humanity. 
or God's people, known as the righteous or the elect. In other words, the grain harvest is essentially the inner gathering the or in-gathering. the ingathering or gathering in by the Christ or Messiah of the righteous or born again Christians of the eschatological upon his return at the end of the age. Of the eschatological age, I'm sorry. Okay. So we, we, we can't read all these passages now. Those passages prove that the grain harvest refers to born-again Christians. Are you following? Uh, because when Jesus comes, amen, the born-again Christians that are alive when he comes will hear his trumpet and they will gather around him. Are you, are you, are you all following? That's a harvest. Amen. And he will reign with them first on earth. Remember? At the millennium. Is that correct? And after the millennium, he will enter with them to the new heaven and new earth. Is that correct? So what we are seeing here is both historical judgment that will now go over into eternal judgment. Is that correct? All right. So we need to understand about the whole point we're making here is that Revelation 14, the later part of Revelation 14, remember it started with those who came out of the great tribulation, gathering with him at Mount Zion, 144,000. Is that correct? And then John began to see short visions about what will happen in the end. And the last six verses is talking about the harvests. The first, the harvest of repentant humanity, grain. Are you all following? Huh? Because somebody will ask you to do sometime, and for you, you are understanding and my understanding, so that we know how we live. How is this thing going to end? Amen? Those who die now, in the Lord will go to heaven. Stay with him. Unbelievers are going to hear this. Is that correct? Temporary. Pending, they are going to end. Now, in the future, when he comes, the saints who are alive will gather around him. The saints who are dead will be raised from the dead. The form of fellowship. That's one harvest as a grain. It happens on earth, and after they dwell on earth, they now go to the eternal eternity with him. Now, on the other hand, his coming will also bring about the harvest of the grapes. That's unrepentant humanity. Is that clear? Now, let's see that quickly. Verse what? Again, go ahead. Again, this vision Messiah and his eschatological ministry by John, as reflected upon here in Revelation 14, 14 is proleptic of prophetic or protect or prophetic is proleptic proleptic or prophetic or prophetic is fulfillment and actual manifestation in history will come farther down in time in the events of Revelation 19 and 20. So everything, these things, this harvest we are seeing here is just to notify John. When will they happen? Revelation 19 and 20. Because of that, we say they are proleptic. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's like if I show you a vision of what will be happening the day we'll be dedicating the building. And I'm telling you, they are not going to happen this evening. I'm only seeing a vision of it. I'm showing you. So it's proleptic. Because it will not happen until November 17th. Amen? So that's what John was like seeing. 
like we are in this room now, and I'm telling you, I'm seeing a vision of what will happen on November 17. I'm seeing how everything is happening. That's vision. I'm seeing a vision. It doesn't mean that it's happening now. Praise the Lord. Some of the, a lot of things John saw in the revelation were proleptic. You will see them ahead of time. It doesn't mean that when he was seeing them, they were happening at that time. It means that they will happen soon. Praise God. Read verse 15. Is that correct? Okay, read it quickly. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice mm -hmm. to him that sat on the cloud. Mm -hmm. Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Okay. Go ahead. The expression harvest of the earth. Oh, 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 stop right there. You notice that was an angel who came out, right, from the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the throne. Who is him that sat on the throne? Jesus. Amen. An angel is crying to him. And what did the angel say to him? Put in your what? Sickle. And what? Reap. For the hour to reap has what? Come. Come. Because the harvest of the earth is what? Ripe. You know why the earth has not been judged now? Because the harvest is not ripe. Remember the scripture we read last week? Uh, Pastor helped us read it in Ecclesiastes, right? 8. Is that correct? 8.11. Praise God. That God, God's judgment works on the principle of what? Ripening. <laughs> Did you see it said by the angel there? All right, go ahead. This expression. This expression, harvest of the earth, as used here and other passages of scripture, is typically referenced. It's a to, typical reference. Is a typical reference to the final judgment of humanity on earth. Okay, you see all those scriptures. So whenever you hear about harvest of the earth, it speaks of judgment of where? Of who? Humanity. Where? On earth, not in hell yet. Praise God. Go ahead. In terms of scope, it includes both the ingathering of the righteous and their commendation into their destiny of eternal blessedness in heaven, mm -hmm. as explored above in verse 15, as well as the gathering of the wicked or unrepentant humanity for damnation unto their eternal destiny of doom in hell. Did you notice that? This harvest of the earth is twofold. On the one side, the engathering of repentant humanity. Is that correct? On the other side, engathering of unrepentant humanity. After the, uh, the repentant humanity is gathered, and then they will be sent to their, on earth, then they will be sent to their eternal destiny. Where is that? Where is their eternal destiny? Repentant. Repentant. Uh, heaven. Is that correct? And after unrepentant humanity is gathered, they'll be sent to their own eternal destiny. Where is that? Hell. So, because, we, again, we are doing a study on judgment here. A study on judgment. Are you following that? Because it's one of the most confusing things to believe at. Amen? So, continue. The words, the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Is clearly about the immense of imminence. the imminence of the judgment. Mm -hmm. Of course, this determination of the timing of harvest of judgment is one that only the omniscient God can fix. The human mind is incapable of fixing the timing of such a major event in God's calendar or schedule of events for the earth. 
Humanity's incapability for such a role is clearly evident in the following assessment of Jesus concerning God's plan for the present harvest of the souls of men. See, so the point here is that no man can fix a time when these things will happen. Only the omniscient God can do it. And Jesus gave a point there. Do not say, come on. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white of harvest. For harvest. White for harvest. Do you know, it's a men, we are looking at a certain field and say there are four months and they will be ripe. But when God looked at it, he said they are ripe. Praise God. And it could have been the other way around. There are at least two main implications here. Quickly. There mm-hmm. are two, at least two main implications here. Mm-hmm. First, those among men who on the one hand think that if divine judgment will ever come upon the earth and on repentant humanity, it will take a much longer time to come, need to take counsel here and reevaluate their thinking and repent from their mocking. Second, do you understand that our unbelievers say that judgment is not coming yet? Huh? And we'll read that scripture. Have you heard of that? Huh? Yes. Oh, yes. Our campaign, when he was alive, he died about two years ago. He, had, he was fond of fixing dates for, harvest, for judgment and the return of Christ, which never came. I don't know how he came about those. Amen. Second, Go ahead. Second, those who, on the other hand, think that God is slow to bring justice and judgment upon the earth and humanity also need to be aware that in his omission, eternal counsel and sovereignty, God had always known the timing of the ripening of harvest and is waiting for it. Ultimately, then, only God will, in his sovereign, will bring his eternal purposes, plans, and schedule into fulfillment and manifestation. Is that clear? Very good. Let's read uh, the scripture, Second, Second Peter 3, 3 to 9. Uh, let's read that. And then we will round up there. Second Peter 3, 3 to 9. Amen. Knowing this first of all, that in the last days, Mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, mm. and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? Mm. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, mm. all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Amen. Did you hear that? Some people will say things have been going on and they will continue to go on. 
the way they are. You see, because we've been hearing that it's coming back. And since we say that, nothing has happened. So it means things will go on. The Bible calls them mockers. Because they count, they use a different calendar. Their calendar says one day is 24 hours. But God's calendar says one day may be a thousand years. And a thousand years may be one day or one year. Do you understand? So that, that's where we are going to end tonight. And when we come next one, I believe we'll finish verse four, chapter 14. Is that correct? And possibly start chapter 17. We're almost done with this, with the whole book. Can you imagine we're in chapter 14? Amen. And you know we are doing verse by verse. And that's why we're kind of, it looks like we're, and I, I think that's the best way to study the book of Revelation, to be honest with you. And when you go back to study it on your own, it makes sense. Remember also, the purpose here is to order our life as to how we should live. Uh, that's the most important uh, thing here. And we keep, like, when, we talk, when we, we're talking about the, the chaff and the grain harvest tonight, is that correct? You ask yourself, what am I? Am I, am I grain or wheat? Or am I, am I chaff? You ask yourself, in any way, before some of you came, we talked about how the people that died in the hand of the Antichrist and the God saints who died before, even in the past. We saw that some of them did not die physically, but in their attitude and in their spirit, they died. God come with them as dead. Like Daniel, for instance, right? He was told not to worship the image of the beast. Otherwise, he would die. They, they told him, if you, don't stop, if you don't worship the image of the beast, we will throw you in the lion's den. He said to them, I will not worship that beast if you won't throw me in the lion's den. Is that not death? Even though he, he, he came out alive. And that's why God intervened. And then we look at Esther. If I perish, I perish. And we look at them, um, what do you call him? Who else? The four Hebrew children. And then we looked at Stephen. Stephen was an interesting case. And I asked the people, the, the issue is that even before Stephen died physically, he could not have died physically if he had not died to self, to the flesh. Because if you look at Stephen, Stephen was highly anointed. And what was he doing before his death? What was he doing in church? He was sharing food for widows. Praise the Lord. And the point there is that we believe that Stephen's flesh had died long before he died physically. Because I'm sure the widows and the children may have insulted him at some point. And he took it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the point we're making is this. Those of us today who are in church or who are at home, we cannot take any kind of insult. We cannot take any kind of, uh, you know, opposition. We cannot take any kind of this. Are we sure we can face death for the sake of Christ? Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, if we cannot tolerate somebody stepping on our toes, how prepared are we? <laughs> so, we, the, 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 the question came and said, with all the word we are hearing, are we ready? Because we don't know the challenge. Any area of our life that God is allowing challenges to come to us, 
he wants to raise us to train us in that area. Praise the Lord. You know, there are challenges I've been facing the last two years as a pastor, which I never faced before. You know, I was talking with the bank today, and uh, what they told me, certain things they told me was like things, I mean, four or five years ago, six years ago, as a pastor, I was not involved with any bank and all that, and their president and what they say. But, and I never prayed prayer points in that area, but now that's where I'm, I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you talk with them sometimes, you don't like what they tell you. And it looks like the end of the world is coming. Do you understand the point I'm making? You see, so God will allow us to grow up to certain levels because there are new things he wants to get out of you. And then if you miss that opportunity, you've missed everything. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. I can't deal with that. You've missed on that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. There are areas of faith. Years ago, in the, running this church, I never had, oh, this person is calling, oh, you guys are late in paying the that, 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 that. I never dealt with that. But now, so as you grow, in fact, the more blessings bless, uh, you think you're experiencing, there are going to be challenges. Is that true? So that every one of us also has chaff in us. And God's way of taking out the chaff is by bringing us to things we don't like in order to let that area of our lives to die so that we'll be able to face what lies ahead, bigger challenges. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We are going to pray. I believe no questions. Any questions? Uh, do we have class next Friday? Yes, we have, next Friday is Bible class. Uh, tomorrow is Evangelism Day. We are going to go home and uh, return tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Mommy, can you pray for us? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mm. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, blood of Jesus, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.